Major updates on the Ukraine conflict. Jim Chandos reveals a new short position. We go over the biggest in calls of the day. GM set to buy a SoftBank stake in their cruise self-driving unit. GameStop tears fall after an unexpected holiday quarter loss. And we cover the biggest moments of the week. This is the Running With The Money weekly recap. Let's get into it. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pounding The Table. But this episode is the weekly recap. So we're going to go over not only the briefing for today, Friday, but we're also going to go over the biggest moments of the week in a little bit of detail. But before we get into that, you need to know where the index is, of course, finished today. The Dow Jones up 274, NASDAQ up 279, and of course, the S&P 500 up 51 points. So a pretty darn solid day to finish out the week. Now, shifting into the biggest headlines of the day, we had the president of China and, of course, our president, Mr. Joe Biden, holding a two-hour conference call focused on peace in Ukraine. So in essence, there have been headlines swirling around that Russia is trying to get China involved in this whole Ukraine invasion situation, which is not good stuff. No one wants to see what is going on. People just want peace. And of course, prayers to everyone affected by this tragedy. But of course, you take a look at this call and there were some developments that we want to pay attention to, because as we also know, the stock market and investors have been fearing China getting involved, not only in Ukraine, but maybe thinking about taking over Taiwan. Who really knows what's going on there? But either way, it would not be good. So we have to pay attention to everything going on on this front, or at least keep an eye on it, you know? So digging into this call just real quick throughout the call, President Biden, according to the White House, CNBC reports, and other sources basically said, look, uh, here's the consequences. Um, He laid out the consequences for China. If they do start to provide support to Russia, then the president of China responded to Biden, basically saying that, look, the United States and China both have the obligation uh, to be promoting peace, that both countries should want peace. So that was a net positive out of the call. It is also important to note that many analysts had expected this call not to go well. We knew this call was going to happen actually a few days prior to today, but many analysts, many investors didn't expect this call to go well, but actually the the sentiment was uh, beat by the actual call. So it seems that President Biden and the president of China actually had some positive engagement and that this was a pretty solid call. Now, furthermore, what did we hear out of China and what did we hear out of the Biden administration further? So, According to a readout of the call, both the president of China and Biden, quote, share the view that China and the U.S. need to respect each other, coexist in peace and avoid confrontation in that the two sides should increase communication and dialogue at all levels and in all fields. And that was according to the official readout from the call. So. That is a very big positive line right there. Both countries saying, look, we both want to coexist. We both want to work together. We both want to have better communication. And most importantly, we both want peace. Now, furthermore, we got even more dialogue. In fact, Beijing came out and said, quote, they have a priority to keep the dialogue in negotiation going, avoid civilian casualties, prevent a humanitarian crisis, and seize 
hostilities as soon as possible. So China here is wanting these hostilities to be seized. They want to see peace, at least according to this call. You never really know if they're telling the truth, but according to this call, at the facts at hand, the quotes at hand, they seem to want peace. They don't really want a full-scale conflict. Now, it is also important to note that at the end of their statements, at the end of this call, um, both the Chinese government and the Biden administration had basically told their teams that you need to get China and U.S. relations back on track. In fact, here was the quote pulled from Beijing going on to say, quote, they directed their teams to promptly follow up and take concrete actions to put China-U.S. relations back on track of steady development and make respective efforts for the proper settlement of the Ukraine crisis. So they want settlement in this issue. They want this Ukrainian crisis to basically boil down to peace. They want this issue to be solved, at least according to this call, both the United States and China pushing for peace here. So that is a major development, something to note, and maybe it contributed to the positive sentiment we saw at the end of the session today. Who really knows? Now, shifting into another major headline of the day, major short seller, Jim Chanos. He's an absolute short-selling legend on the street. Well, he revealed a new bet, and you guessed what name he's betting against cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase. Yes, that's right, Coinbase. He said, quote, Coinbase is what we call a bubble stock. So he's calling Coinbase a bubble stock, which is interesting, and I say interesting because I disagree with him, and that's my personal opinion, but I'm going to leave it out because we only do objective news here. He went on this day on CNBC's Scott Wepter's Closing Bell show. He says, There are plenty of companies that are in the new economy that have real growth, real cash flows, and real earnings, but there's a lot that are just being sold on stories, and we would argue that Coinbase is one that's being sold on a story. He goes on to say, quote, we basically think Coinbase is over-earning if you look at comparable kinds of exchanges and trading operations. So, Chanos is arguing that first off, Coinbase's numbers, well, they really don't live up to his expectations. They aren't up to snuff. He doesn't believe um, that they're really all too impressive. He believes that Coinbase is selling investors on a story of a cryptocurrency world. Furthermore, he believes that Coinbase is over-earning, that more competition is on the way and that they're going to lose business. In fact, he goes on to say, quote, we think that as competition increases in crypto, as competition increases amongst the exchanges, you're going to see fee compression and as it is, Coinbase will probably not be profitable this year. So, Jim Channels, overall, he does not like Coinbase. He's short the stock, revealing it as a new short position of his. He is saying that he does not like the numbers coming out of Coinbase. He does not like the story behind Coinbase. He believes it's a bubble stock, and he believes that competition will eat up their gains and that you'll see fee compression throughout the year. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have Morgan Stanley reiterating Tesla as overweight from an on the say quote. In short, if Tesla's share price were to multiply from here, we believe it will have rather little to do with the core business of making and selling cars in the traditional model so familiar to auto analysts. So Morgan Stanley liking what they see at Tesla, reiterating it as overweight. We also had Baird reiterating Nike has outperformed the firm and on the say quote, while Nike was a lower conviction outperform rated idea entering 2022, we believe sentiment increasingly embeds global macro concerns. We expect Nike to deliver in line or better third quarter results and to express a positive view of category demand. Now, shifting away from Baird's call, 
reiterating Nike has outperformed. We also had J.P. Morgan reiterating Netflix as a best idea. The firm went on to say, quote, secular shift, strong content, distance from pandemic pull forward, immaterial free cash flow in 2022. So J.P. Morgan pretty much listing what they like over at Netflix, reiterating it as a best idea. J.P. Morgan also today reiterated Microsoft is overweight, going on to say, quote, breadth of traction across the portfolio, deflationary force in an inflationary economy, new vectors of growth around the power platform, teams and teams phone and security aligned to the metaverse and quantum computing. Man, it sounds like JP Morgan here is absolutely gushing over Microsoft, liking what they see over at the company. And then we had two other big calls at JP Morgan. JP Morgan reiterating Amazon is the best idea, going on to say, quote, secular shift, easing comps and return on recent heavy investments position Amazon well in 22. And then when it comes to General Electric, they reiterated the name as neutral. They go on to say, quote, the GE or General Electric Investor Day reinforced many of our views on the numbers, mostly around consensus estimates that remain too high with bottom-up assumptions embedded in a largely unchained outlook that looks optimistic, especially as the global environment gets more volatile as per the slow start to the first quarter of 2022. So, in essence, J.P. Morgan liking what they're seeing coming out of the General Electric Investor Day, but they still have a few worries. They believe those consensus estimates remain too high, and therefore, they're reiterating it as neutral. And then the final analyst call of the day that we're going to cover is Credit Seuss, reiterating NVIDIA as outperform. The firm went on to say, quote, year-to-date, NVIDIA is down 19% versus SOX of negative 17% and SPX of negative 9% against the backdrop of the current semi-cycle and a volatile geopolitical environment, high multiple stocks have been negatively impacted by a market grappling with higher rates. So, Credit Suisse is basically saying, look guys, we think NVIDIA is a buy, we are reiterating it as outperform, and we believe it is a solid pickup here because it has come down much more significantly compared to other metrics compared to the broader market. So that is an interesting call out of Credit Suisse. Now, shifting into GM announcing that they are going to be buying SoftBank stake in Cruise, their self-driving unit that they have a majority stake in. So General Motors will be acquiring SoftBank's Vision Fund 1's equity ownership stake in their majority-owned Cruise Autonomous Vehicle Unit for a lofty price of $2.1 billion. And this was announced today by GM. Now, SoftBank, they started a minority ownership position in Cruise in 2018. They will now be exiting. And this actually comes just as they were set to invest another tranche of $1.35 billion, which will now be paid by General Motors, GM. So very interesting uh, I would say announcements coming out of GM when it comes to Cruise, their autonomous vehicle unit. And it's even more interesting because not all too long ago in December, Cruise's CEO, Dan Amen, was let go. He abruptly left Cruise in December, and that was a choice from the top of GM from CEO Mary Barra. Now, she also chairs Cruise's board, and according to GM, their CEO, Dan Amen, he was basically let go. He left the company over disagreements in strategy when it came to taking the company 
public. Now, the company will not be going public, and we're referencing Cruz here. They will not be IPOing. They say it will be a, quote, major distraction, especially right now. And that's coming directly out of the new CEO over at Cruz, Mr. Kyle Vogt. So that is something to note here when it comes to Cruise, but this is a major headline, so really just GM acquiring even more of their very own Cruise autonomous vehicle unit. That is something of importance, specifically when it comes to General Motors and their EV work and their EV progress and also their autonomous vehicle progress. Now, shifting into GameStop shares falling as well, the company reported an unexpected holiday quarter loss. Definitely not something uh, all too positive. So they reported an unexpected loss. Unfortunately, investors weren't expecting a loss in the holiday quarter. Well, they saw one and they also did not provide financial guidance for the upcoming quarter. So that's definitely uh, slightly worrying to investors. Now, shifting into what in the world they reported. So they reported for the period ended January 29th, total revenue growth up to $2.25 billion. So revenue grew to $2.25 billion compared to $2.122 billion in Q4 of 2020. So year over year, they saw slight revenue growth there, pretty solid. Also shifting into the net loss, they reported a net loss of $147.5 million or of course, a $1.94 loss per share compared to a profit of $80.5 million or $1.19 per share just a year earlier. So GameStop taking an unexpected loss, but it is important to know what the CEO said. He said that they were hit by supply chain challenges in the Omicron variant and that in essence, they decided to lean into that, raise those costs and meet that customer demand the CEO, Matt Fruglong, also noted that they struck deals with other PC gaming brands, including Alienware, Livino, and Corsair. Also, they launched a redesigned app, according to the CEO, and also they have been hiring people with experience in blockchain gaming, e-commerce, and e-commerce operations. So, that's pretty awesome there. Now, shifting into their membership program, Power Up Rewards Pro, that grew by 32% year over year, according to the company, which has roughly about 5.8 million users. So it's not all bad for GameStop, but mostly bad, mostly negative, and they still have quite a bit of improvement. And here's a direct line from the CEO, Matt Furlong. He goes on to say, quote, it is important to stress the GameStop had become such a cyclical business and so capital starved that we have to rebuild it from within. We've also had to change the way we assess revenue opportunities by starting to embrace rather than run from the new frontier of gaming. There he's referencing blockchain technology. He's referencing a whole bunch of stuff, the metaverse NFTs, because there have been headlines coming out of GameStop as well, referencing an upcoming NFT marketplace. Now, shifting into the big moments of the week that we should probably touch on. First off, Monday, we had Apple supplier Foxconn pausing production due to the new COVID-19 policies in Shenzhen and other areas of China because COVID-19 cases are spiking in China. And that is definitely not a net positive. But later in the week, they did at the Shenzhen factory actually kick back up production. Now, how did this affect Apple? Real Really, in the big scheme, it didn't. In fact, they were able to shift a lot of production from the Shenzhen factory that would be missed if they entirely closed it down to some other factories. There were impacts, definitely, but not nearly as bad. 
is what you saw the last go around when COVID took over and a lot of other factories had to shut down. So definitely um, not a positive headline, but uh, luckily it wasn't nearly as large of an issue for Apple as many initially expected. Now, shifting into this China COVID spike that we have been seeing throughout the week, but as of Monday, Shenzhen had reported more than 400 confirmed cases since late February, and then in Shanghai, they confirmed more than 600 confirmed cases since late February. So, a major cases tick up over in China, and that has been spreading. We've also seen headlines throughout the week since Monday that it has continued to spread. They put down some major restrictions in China and also several other Asian countries seeing major increases in COVID-19 cases. Now, shifting into Tuesday, what did we see? We saw movie theater chain AMC buying a stake in a small gold miner. Uh, That was interesting. So AMC announced that they would be spending $27.9 million in cash for a deal that would in turn provide them with 23.4 million shares of Highcroft Mining Holding Company. So that was a very interesting deal. Um, And the deal actually in this mining company, this small gold miner, would make them roughly a 22% holder. So that is also a major detail there. So they become a major holder in a small gold mining company. Um, This is very interesting. And also the craziest thing about this whole deal is that this small gold miner actually had financial issues in the past. So many were kind of scratching their heads as to why AMC would do this. We got commentary out of AMC. He went on to say, quote, our strategic investment being announced today is the result of our having identified a company in an unrelated industry that appears to be just like AMC of a year ago. It too has rock solid assets, but for a variety of reasons, it has been facing a severe and immediate liquidity issue you. Its share price has been knocked low. As a result, we are confident that our involvement can greatly help it to surmount its challenges to its benefit and to ours. And that was AMC's CEO on this investment. Now, Shifting into another headline that you definitely want to detail that came out on Tuesday, wholesale inflation climbing. So final demand prices for goods jumped 2.4% for the month. That is the highest ever move that we have seen or the largest move ever in this data, particularly that we've seen going back to December of 2009. Furthermore, the producer price index headline number was up 0.8% for the month, which was actually just below the 0.9% Dow Jones estimate. And then that headline PPI year over year rose 10%, which was a major move. It actually tied for the biggest 12-month move ever. And then, of course, rounding out this wholesale inflation data, we had that core PPI, that core producer price index rising just about 0.2%, which was below, well below the 0.6% expectation. And then finally, on Tuesday, Microsoft further in their Web3 investments, jumping in on a blockchain startup consensus in a funding round that raised $450 million, raising consensus's valuation to $7 billion. A reminder that consensus is the owner of MetaMask and Infura. MetaMask, a major part of the cryptocurrency and DeFi world. And then shifting into Wednesday, what did we see here? Of course, on Wednesday, we had the Federal Reserve 
raising rates uh, 25 basis points, a quarter percentage point. Basically, we saw Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell say that they're making the moves necessary to halt inflation, but they did not entirely address runoff to the balance sheet. Remember, the Fed's balance sheet has gotten all the way up to nearly $9 trillion, so that is going to be something to definitely pay attention to later this year. What are they going to do when it comes to balance sheet reduction? But if you want more details, we went very much in the detail on what the Federal Reserve is doing in the Wednesday briefing. So I recommend you go give that a listen. Go check out the Wednesday briefing because we went in to all of the comments out of the Fed within 15 minutes, basically explaining what they're looking for for the rest of the year and what moves they are going to make as well as what moves they did make, which really just boiled down to a 25 basis point hike in rates. Now, shifting into our final two headlines of Wednesday, China stocks absolutely flying on news that the Chinese government will be supporting the listing of these U.S. listed China stocks. So, in essence, China, the government of China, will be supporting these U.S. listed China stocks, and that is according to their state media. And this was very positive news. You saw on Wednesday, Alibaba jumping 36.7%. You saw JD.com jumping as far as 39%. Pinduo Duo rallying 56%. In a pounding the table team member, Mr. Riley McAdams called this perfectly. And I'm going to play you a clip because this was one of the best calls I have ever heard and seen in my career here within the market. So here it is. Not to mention for the delisting fears, you have a few small firms that now are basically set on probation. They're, they, they basically got a slap on the wrist. And yeah, people are freaking out. Delist them, delist them, delist them. They're not going to be de- delisted. And if they are, it's going to be the small firms. You have Neo, Baba, you have PDD, you have all these bigger firms, JD. You have these guys that they, they have the accounting, uh, like actual businesses that they, they use that are, you know, they, they comply with all the US SEC guidelines. They're not going to go anywhere. They're not breaking the rules. Luck in. On the other hand, yeah, okay, that was a fluke. And it really wasn't even that big. You're talking a $100 billion company like Bob, $150, $175, $200 billion company. Their accounting's fine. No one's going to delist Bob. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So I think that big right stance, now- Big stance, Riley. Big stance. We're, we're, seeing, we're seeing capitulation, and I'm glad. So right now, I'm buying Neo. I'm buying Baba. I want to buy these Chinese stocks down here. Well, maybe you maybe they go Steel, 5 10% I'm- lower, 20% <laughs> lower. But I think this can be a generational buy for what could be the strongest economy in the next decade or two. I mean, just a phenomenal call out of Mr. Riley McAdams, a pounding the table team member, a phenomenal trader and a phenomenal investor. Go give him a follow. Go give him a listen at Riley McAdams on Twitter. And also go give the pounding the table team a listen and a follow. I mean, an absolutely phenomenal pod that came out last weekend and it predicted a lot of what occurred throughout the week this week. And also we had one last headline on Wednesday, HSBC buying virtual real estate in the sandbox metaverse. So if you want to hear about a major financial services provider getting into the metaverse and buying digital real estate, go check out the Wednesday briefing. And then finally, we get all the way around to Thursday, where we had U.S. jobless claims beating expectations, initial filings for unemployment insurance totaling 214000 for the week ending March 12th, which was much better than the Dow Jones estimate of 220000 for the read. And that makes a decline of 15000 from the prior week when it comes to those initial filings. Also on Thursday, we saw Mr. Warren Buffett scooping up even more Occidental Petroleum shares over a billion dollars worth or nearly 
nearly a billion dollars worth more of Occidental shares. And then also Amazon yesterday closed their deal for MGM Movie Studios, you know, the studio behind Rocky and James Bond and all those other big-time hits. And that is definitely a briefing you're going to want to listen to because we dug into so many headlines yesterday as well. Either way, that is the weekly recap. That is the briefing on today, and I cannot wait to see you once again Monday. But in the meantime, go get my boys over at Pound on the Table, a listen and to follow at Pound on the Table, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcast, literally anywhere. And also, please go and give me and my team a follow and to listen at Running With The Money on Facebook and Instagram, at Luke Donay on Twitter, and we're anywhere you listen to podcasts as well. It's a profit trade on, and I will see you Monday. <laughs>